Tonight I want to talk about Mara. For those of you who don't know, Mara is often considered in Buddhist teachings of the personification of uh, greed, hatred, and delusion, or the personification of evil. And I'll get into a little bit more of what how Mara shows up. But the reason this came to my mind, I was... I was at the BIPOC and Allies group last Sunday, Meditation Coalition, and the guest, uh, John Zalunga, talked about Mara, and I really liked the way he uh, talked about Mara and how he framed how we might see Mara in our own lives, and it was really, it really gave me a lot to think about, and I was... Um, yeah, it gave me a lot to think about, and I, I, I kind of been reflecting on it all week. And then the other day, I heard a line, I don't even remember where it was, whether I read it or saw it or heard it. It was, they were talking about storytelling. And it, what it occurred to me is that Mara, all the stories of Mara are storytelling. They're the storytelling in the suttas, and the suttas are the teachings of the Buddha, what the, the, the discourses. And so I said, okay, let's look at Mara as a type of storytelling, and what kind of impact does that have on our lives, or how can we um, make it real in our lives? Because oftentimes Mara is like this, this, this figure that's over there that the Buddha deals with, but sometimes we think of Mara. But but how can it become um, uh, maybe realer in our lives that can be of some benefit, in a way that it can be of some benefit? So um, looking at Mara in, in Buddhist, uh, the suttas, the discourses, Mara shows up in a lot of different ways, or there's a lot of different names for Mara, and uh, they're great. They're... Um, the imposer of limits, so some something that imposes limits on you. Uh, the lord of unskillfulness, which I really like. Um, death, that's pretty basic. Uh, lord of the sensual realm, the tempter, the evil one, the uh, yeah, the principle of destructiveness, or the entirety of conditioned experience, experience samsara, lost in this this uh, world of birth and death and rebirth and just trapped by our our conditioning um he shows up or he off mars called a he but that's just i think the um the way it shows up in the the uh the, the suttas my sister-in-law's name is mara so i call mara she a lot of the time just because that's my conditioning my sister-in-law's name is mara and um uh, it's, you know, it's probably non-binary. It's just Mara's uh, addressed as he in the suttas. So anyway, I will probably, as much as I can, call it it. So Mara shows up as an anthropomorphic deity, someone who takes the shape as a, of a human. Mara shows up as a class of deities. Mara shows up as the personification of death, the um, world under the sway of death, of uh you know, this destructive, this type of destruction. Mar shows up as all temptations. Um, and as the, is an allegory, as the, the power of temptation, as the tendency to evil, the tendency to conflict. 
And is off, Mara is often compared to the devil in the, the, as the devil shows up in Christian or um, Islamic thought and teachings. And uh, as I said, um, Mara shows up in many ways as a tempter of the Buddha. Uh, many of you are familiar with the, the story of the night of the Buddha's enlightenment where Mara comes with his, the daughters and the dancing girls and, and that. So there's this temptation of, Ooh, Buddha, come over here. It'll be much better for you. Um, Mara gets in the way of the Buddhist teaching by making noise, breaking things, disrupting sermons. So he's more of a trickster and a disruptor. And this is, I think, what is um, really pertinent to our lives. Mara comes to the Buddha in various guises such as doubt anxiety, longing, any of those types of things, fear. Um, but the Buddha recognizes Mara. The Buddha recognizes Mara. That's the thing. Mara, Mara tries all these disguises, but the Buddha recognizes him. And when that happens, it's like instantaneous poof. Once you recognize it, once Buddha recognizes Mara, Mara walks away unhappy, despondent, glum and there's this one quote in one of the suttas where Mara is sitting and scraping the ground with a stick and I just have a vision of a five-year-old sitting there pouting going me playing with a stick me that's kind of what happens when the Buddha recognizes Mara and basically says I see you I see you for what you are so when the Buddha sees Mara there's no power in that um yeah, and, and Mara is also um, challenges enlightenment. Mara is what gets in the way of our enlightenment. Um, so, obviously, because of all the, the ways Mara shows up, Mara doesn't just show up in one place in, in the suttas. Mara shows up all over the place. So, that is that is how Mara is... is um, Seen and and a lot of it is like in the early texts he's seen um, one way and then as texts go on he's seen it, it it kind of changes based on you know the different texts the different places so it's interesting to see all the different ways that Mara shows up so then in thinking about as I said I was thinking about storytelling and and the suttas contain all these stories about Mara. Um, and thinking about storytelling, the brain kind of works with storytelling. The, bre the brain creates stories. You all have seen your stories. You all know you're familiar, hopefully, with the stories in your mind. And it's actually necessary as part of the brain. It's how we get through life. I mean, if we didn't have these shortcuts, these stories, it's like, oh, seeing something, you know, recognizing that, oh, red light, stop the car. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to think it now. What does red light mean? And how do I do this? We have all these shortcuts in our brain. We have all these stories and it helps us get through life. Some of them are really helpful, um, really necessary. However, we need to be aware of those ones that don't serve us, that have moved in and that are um, perhaps not beneficial. That those conditionings, those stories that are, that tell us about, the way things are supposed to be or the way things shouldn't be that maybe get in the way of how we um, 
perceive the world or how we show up in the world. And so I love this idea of Mara and finding the story around Mara in our own lives as a way to reframe. Um, you know, we talk about greed, hatred, and delusion all the time. So this is a way to reframe it in a way that may be a little bit more personal. And one of the other things that this um, person talked about on Sunday, John's talked about, was the idea of a spiritual biography, which I really, really like. Um, and I guess it's a very it's a Tibetan tradition and uh, Tibetan lineages they talk about it, and it's the story of spiritual enlightenment. And the idea of spiritual biography is to really see, take a step back, and look at our lives. And look at the stories, look at the habits, look at what gets in the way of our liberation, of our freedom. Seeing how Mara shows up in our own lives. And not to suppress it or shut it down, but to recognize it just as the Buddha recognizes it. And recognize the different, the different guises it shows up in. Um, and so... John's asked a lot of questions on Sunday, and so I, as I said, I, I took a lot of notes because it was so, it was so uh, interesting uh, to hear his framing of this. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer some of these questions, um, which is really helpful if you reflect on your spiritual biography, your spiritual journey, your journey to a place of uh, awakening, enlightenment, of letting go of those things that don't serve. So how does Mara, whatever, however you want to look at Mara, but Mara as a shortcut, how does Mara manifest in your personal life and through my habits, through your habits, um, in the stories, the belief, the drive, the actions, those habits of mind, the doubts, the anxieties, the longings? You know, what are those stories that I tell myself all the time? Being unlovable, being not good enough, whatever they are, we each have our own. Not being worthy of standing up for ourselves. All kinds of stories. That is Mara. So sometimes if you can shift it away from I am and instead saying, oh, look at how Mara is manifesting. There's a, there's a there's a reframe and and um, kind of a a, a way to uh, separate from that being in it. Um, recognizing what are my triggers and my reactivity. What does it look like? You know, do I fight? Do I fry, Do I fly? You know, the fight, flight, or freeze. What what do I do? What's my trigger or what's my reactivity? You know. I was thinking about, um, you know, some places that, that some things that trigger me are those people who park in front of my house to go to the gun store and get in my, you know, and, and just annoying. Uh, there's a gun store around the corner um, and people park in front of my house all the, day, all the time, um, six days a week. I think they're closed on Sunday. And uh, it, gets, it gets challenging sometimes. And I somehow feel justified in um, talking shit about them in my head and judging. And so that's, that's a trigger for me. That's one that's kind of like always there. Whereas other times I'm like, oh, it's fine. But because they're this particular person who I have created a scenario about who they are, I feel um, 
entitled to judge. That's, that's Mara. And this kind of goes with the next question. How am I aligned with Mara? Not ready to let go of some stories. How, does, how do I let Mara work for me? You know, the anger that I want to carry that serves me. Because anger is a protective mechanism. Anger is a wall. Um, how, do I, how do I guard myself sometimes? That's Mara's helpful for that. How do I, you know, do sometimes I run away? That's that fight, flight, or freeze. I can cultivate that to be a Mara walking along beside me. So we broaden the scope of what Mara looks like. And then there's the question, which sometimes is really easy to answer. What does Mara look like in the society around us? That is so, I mean, you don't have to look very far to name the, the greed, the hatred that's there, the systemic oppression, um, the racism, the misogyny, the homophobia, all those things, this, this incredible greed and, and craving and dis, dis, um, uh, disproportionate, um, justice and how some people, you know, black and brown bodies are, are not treated the same as white bodies. And so all this stuff that goes on and to see that, that the underlying um, face of Mara is there, that greed, that hatred, that ignorance that drives this, that's been in place for centuries and centuries and centuries, to recognize that. As how this has Mara showing Mara hasn't gone anywhere. Even though it's vanquished in the moment, Mara's still around. Mara didn't disappear the night of the Buddha's enlightenment. Mara came back time and time and time again, up and through the time of his near his death, Mara was still showing up. But Buddha Buddha recognized Mara all these times. So how does Mara show up? How do you see Mara? How do you recognize it? So it's important to define this in our lives, you know. It can be simple, impatience, you know, that, that I want things when I want them. It can be that. It can be as simple as that. Or huge, you know, violent behavior, addictive behavior, um, those types of things. So to recognize it, what is true? What, what is this, this, this behavior that I have, and can I, can I tie it to this, this Buddhist principle? Um, because it gets in the way of our enlightenment. As I said before, it, it inhibits our freedom because we're caught in the story. We're trapped by it over and over and over again. In the Buddhist mythology, there's the, the, the Jataka tales, which are later editions, but they're all the stories of the Buddhist the lives of of the Buddha before he took birth of Siddhartha Gautama. And they're more like fables where he has these uh, things happen to him and then he learns patience or things like that. So it takes a long time, but unless we're practicing and paying attention, we're lost in heedlessness and we're, and we're, we can't get out. We can't free ourselves because we don't know what we're caught in. And so we have to name it in order to become free. Um, recognize Mara's guises in our life. And a way to do this is um, to ask, again, more questions. This is, again, going back to the, the talk that Johns gave on Sunday, is what is my stance when Mara shows up? How do I respond 
when I am beset by that, that self-doubt? What do I do? Do I have a way to respond which is my ground? And, and by my ground is, I mean that foundation. Do I have a foundation to stand on? You know? This is, this is where um, the teaching is important. Um, I find this, this, the teachings of the Buddha are so relevant for my life because they have given me a ground to stand on from which to turn towards Mara. Whereas before I had these teachings, before I had these principles, this foundation, I was just like, it's like, I don't know, I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks, you know, and, and sometimes yes, sometimes no, but these teachings provide this ground, you know, what supports us when we take this seat? And it can be as simple, you know, when you talk about the teachings, it can be as simple as something like wise speech. When I'm when I'm in self-doubt or self-judgment and I start coming up with these litanies of you should have done this and why did you do that and oh, you'll never amount to anything and it'll never, you know that storyline, whatever it looks like for you, however it shows up. If there's a harshness there, that's not wise speech. So when that shows up, the ground on which I stand, hopefully, once I pay attention and notice it, is wise speech. Oh, I don't get to talk to myself like that because it's not skillful. It's unkind and harsh. And if I believe these teachings and I want to carry them through in my life, then I have to be willing to let go of that harsh speech towards myself. So that's just one example. But how does this ground... How do you have this ground? How, do you, how are you supported? And I, like I said, for me, it's the Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths. It's these teachings. And, and the practice is to center the dharmic narrative that centers our grounding, that centers our foundation. So that's the place we work from rather than Mara's guises, rather than what Mara's feeding us over and over and over again. Um, it's really important to identify this so that we can have that ground. There's the one, the night of the Buddha's um, enlightenment where Mara comes at him and says, who do you even think you are? And the Ma, uh, thinking that you can, you can um, awaken in this way. And the Buddha says, the earth is my witness. And there's that very famous mudra where the Buddha has one hand like this and the other hand down. His hand touches the earth, and the earth is his witness. And I remember the first time I heard that story, I was on a retreat, and it shook me to my core because I could so identify it. Because I, when I've come from a place of you have to meet this list of requirements in order to be okay, the list that was made up by me and the world around me that I absorbed and decided that was the story and that was the scenario. Instead, it's just, just because, just because I'm a human being, I get to have this experience. I get to have this liberation. I get to move in this way. Oh, I have this. Here's a little Buddha. You probably can't see it. But he's got 
He's got one hand in his lap and one hand facing down. That's the, that's that, that's the earth is my witness. It's very famous. Um, oh, and I printed something, but I think I still have it here. I want to give a couple of examples from the sutta that the Buddha has identified how Mara shows up, so he recognizes it when it happens. Okay, um, this is the right before the Buddha's enlightenment. The Mara came to the Buddha in disguise of a tempter. Oh, you are thin and you are pale, and you are at death's presence too. A thousand parts are pledged to death, but life still holds one part of you. Live, sir. Life is the better way. You can gain merit if you live. Come, live the holy life and pour libations on the holy fires and thus a world of merit gain. What can you do by struggling? The path of struggling is too rough and difficulties and, and difficult and hard to bear. So that was Mara showing up as temptation and, and conflict. But the Buddha recognized Mara and recognized that these kind words were not really kind, but just really Mara's hidden agenda. And the Buddha said, your and the Buddha named what Mara was. Your first squadron is sense desires. Your second is called boredom. Then hunger and thirst compose the third, and craving is the fourth. The fifth is sloth and torpor, while cowardice lines up as the sixth. Uncertainty is seventh. The eighth is malice paired with obstinacy gain honor and renown besides an ill wind notoriety, self-praise and denigrating others. These are your squadrons. So, so the, Buddha called, um, the Buddha called the Mara out and said, I see you. I see you for what you are. You're thinly disguised. You're trying to tempt me. But in reality, you're all these, you're the hindrances. Half of those are the hindrances. Um, and then there's another, there's another um, piece. Uh, this is a really good book called Living with the Devil by Stephen Batchelor. And it's, a, it's about Mara. And in here he talks about um, when, the, when the Buddha was older, his cousin was trying to kill him. His cousin wanted to take over. And there was this one point where the, the Buddha's cousin threw a, border, uh, excuse me, a boulder at him, and although the boulder didn't hit him, a piece of shrapnel hit the Buddha in the foot, and it was um, bloody and causing bodily feelings that were painful, sharp, racking, piercing, harrowing, and disagreeable. And so the Buddha spread out his robe and laid down on the, on the ground to, to rest and recover from his injuries, and immediately Mara showed up and said, do you lie down in a daze or drunk on poetry? Don't you have goals to meet alone in your secluded dwelling place? Why do, why do you dream away intent on sleep instead of taking care of what you need to take care of? And this is like, how can you even lay here and rest? It sounds like the Mars like pointing that finger going, should, 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 should. You got all these shoulds you need to take care of. And it was the mock, uh, Stephen says it's the mocking voice of self-doubt that says, you know, seeks to further torment an old man whose life's work is in danger of being usurped and corrupted by someone whom he had earlier dismissed as a wastrel and a clot of spittle, his cousin. Um, 
But Katama lies, neither lies awake in dread nor is afraid to sleep. Having reached the goal, he answers Mara. The Buddha answers Mara. I lie down out of compassion for beings. Which is recognizing that I am hurt and I get to take care of myself. There is compassion here. Not should, but what is the right thing to do in this moment? Take care of myself. So to have that ground, that foundation is so important so that when Mara shows up, we're able to respond wisely and kindly. So important. And, and the way to do that is to find some tools that work for you whether it's stories that you can, you can touch on. For me, it's, it's kind of wise speech has been uh, so key for so many of the Maras in my life that I really um, hold to that. Um, the precepts, the precepts are a real foundation for me. And in, in when I greet, when I see Mara, I can, I can let re um, rest on those and act from those. There's the story of Mila Repa, the, 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 you know, the 11th century, I think he was 11th or 8th century um, in the Tibetan stories who faced the demons. Used to think he invited them in for tea, but instead he just put his head in their mouth and said, what do you got to teach me? And they disappeared. You know, this a willingness to face what's present. Um, there's the Thich Nhat Hanh talks about the seeds of consciousness, recognizing that these reactions we have are planted in us and that they will blossom. And these emotions we have, these feelings we have, they're not our fault. But how do we deal with them when they show up? Can we be with them? We don't, we don't turn Mara away. We don't suppress Mara. We can greet Mara. The earth is our witness. We have the foundation we just cause we are we can um so find what works to support you and it's not necessarily through the teachings it's through therapy it, mindfulness is not the be all and end all so sometimes you have to find other things to support yourself i mean i've i've had therapy i've done a lot of outside work but this is this these teachings are a real foundation for me and recognize it takes some time. Philip Moffat, in his book, Dancing with Life, talks about um, the insights, um, the four noble truths and the, the three insights for each of them. And that basically it's like you understand things intellectually. Okay, I understand this. But then it moves down and there's a recognition of it in your life saying, oh, I see that as Mara. Oh, self-doubt. Yeah, that was, or I was trapped in craving yesterday or I was trapped in aversion yesterday. So there's the intellectual understanding, then there's the recognition in your life, and then there's the experiential re response in the moment saying, oh, this is, yeah, you're just, I see you, Mara. I see you, Mara. And so there's no clinging or attachment. Mara, Mara doesn't grasp onto you with, it's talons. It doesn't let go. You say, I see you. And then Mara walks away and it's all sad and pouty. And you go about your business. So 
So I offer this as a perhaps a different way to see how these um, defilements, how greed and hatred and ignorance and aversion and craving show up and to invite you to find some stories that um, identify some stories in your life or, or maybe look at your spiritual biography, see how you move from being totally um, entangled and how you you disentangle or how you would like to disentangle. Maybe naming Mara in your life and saying, oh, how do I disentangle? In the Year to Live um, practice, we do, I do an exercise where there's, if, if there's something in your life that's bringing you, causing you suffering, causing you discomfort, and you want to let go of it, don't just let go of it and hang out and avoid bring in a companion that you would like to um, connect with that kind of is a, a replacement or, or, or instead of doing this, I'd rather do this. So there's this companion piece. So maybe seeing that in your life, if there's something or other you'd like to let go of, what can you bring in your life? What would you like to connect with instead? That's wholesome and wise and skillful and leads towards liberation and freedom from suffering, not away from it. So thank you, my friends, for your attention. Those are my little thoughts about Mara and Mara in our lives. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.